to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma and Jake D'Souza. Before we get started, I want to do a shout out to our patron, Neil. Thank you so much for supporting us. For anyone else that would like to support this podcast and the work that we do, you can find the Patreon page in our show notes. This week, we wanted to talk a little bit about lockdown, because of course, it's pretty much the only thing we've been hearing on the news for the past week, two weeks, or so long, so forth, uh, because we're thinking that it's looking likely that we're going to go into another lockdown soon. So with the prospect of a second lockdown pending, we wanted to talk a little bit about what lockdown was like for us, uh, that very first one we had back in March. lockdown, life was pretty busy for me. I was working full-time, traveling quite a lot to the U.S., and studying full-time, and basically had zero time at all in my schedule, so life was completely jam-packed. Right up until lockdown, I mean, the a couple of days beforehand, I had just returned from Washington, and I had went from an overnight flight directly from Dublin Airport into my day job managing a coffee shop with my suitcase before even being able to go home. And at that time, I was also writing my uni assignments on airplanes and crash uh, crash reading all my uh, uni work to try and get them done in that space of time. So I had no time at all. And then suddenly I find myself in a situation where I was at home and I wasn't busy. I had no uh, day job because I was furloughed and everything became much quieter and much more peaceful. And I was forced in many ways to just stop at a time when I had... I didn't even know what pausing was like because everything was just so busy and chaotic. I don't look fondly uh, on those days anymore. I'm uh, quite happy to have a slightly less, uh, well, I guess you're not exactly less busy anymore. You're just uh, less panicked. Mm, Less panicked, less stressed. Uh, Well, I did have a four-month break. Um, Of course, at the time, we were going through a global pandemic, and it was terrifying in many ways to have to adjust to living in a society where there was this pending risk um, of catching the virus, which could, of course, be deadly uh, within our own family, and of the sorrow and loss that we felt just seeing how many people were losing their lives and how many people were suffering. So there was, of course, this, um, you know, the other side to lockdown was that we were having to deal with worldwide grief and loss and pain and suffering. And it was all extraordinarily hard to process. And every day you turned on the news, it was just the same, only worse every day. So it was at the same time, it was uh, a time for reflection and to stay home as a family, which we benefited from and enjoyed but you're also dealing with what was a really harrowing time and a time that hasn't really got much better because, as we've seen, the second wave is now well and truly hitting across Europe, across the whole world, which, of course, was inevitable because I don't think there's been any pandemic where there hasn't been a second wave. Yeah, I definitely was one of the people who expected it to get as bad as it's gotten and um, was not looking forward to how terrible this was going to be, both for the families uh, for the individuals affected and the individuals trying to stay unaffected. It's, I don't know. It was, it was tough to watch because there were so many people just skirting the rules and, you know, playing this off like it wasn't going to be a big deal. But I mean, it was plainly Let's just obvious. say Jake's a little bit more cautious than I, I am in general. So right. he was well ready for this to be a serious problem in the early days. 
Yeah, I like I you know I'll over uh, overblow things that aren't a big deal like all the time, but it's that same that same um, like quality in myself that uh, at least allowed me to detect when something actually was going to be a problem. I could I could tell it was going to be a problem. It really blows my mind how many people uh, still uh, still today pretend like this is not a big deal. But yes, yeah, so there we find ourselves, like everybody else, forced into a mandatory lockdown for a, quite a long period of time, and. Um, in the early days, I feel like I almost went through like, you know, like the five stages of grief, but I was grieving the loss of my normal life. And I had to adjust to this wholly different existence because another big difference between me and Jake is that, you know, Jake would be more of a homebody uh, by nature. And I'm someone that likes to be out all the time and likes to stay incredibly busy, which is why I always seem to stuff my schedule so chocker blocked full so I have no time for anything else because I must somehow enjoy all the stress and pressure of being busy all the time. I mean, there's no other reason why anybody would give themselves so much work all the time. So I must enjoy it. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you find uh, a reason and or some, you find something important to do um, when we're on I mean, it's been a million years since, but even when on vacation, I feel like you'd still find something important that you needed to do. Because there's many important things to do. If you have time, you can make time. God, I need just like an ounce of that motivation in my life because <laughs> when there are looming important, incredibly important things to do, I will do anything I can to uh, pretend that they don't exist. Yeah, we definitely have different levels of motivation. I remember a conversation recently where you asked me, Jake, uh, you know, how do you be motivated? And I was just like, you just are. You need to get something done and then you do it because it needs to be done. Yeah. That's motivation. Alien. But- <laughs> it's an alien concept to me. But yeah, so as someone who's active, I like to be outdoors. I like to keep busy. I like to travel. And also at that time, it was kind of peak campaign for me as well because I had just been in the US for like 10 days in February and 10 days in March. Uh, which looking back on reflection during the early days of the pandemic was kind of scary in terms of the fact that, um, you know, if you look at how widespread the virus was in the US, and of course I wasn't aware of that at the time, so it was a little scary in that sense. But in terms of the campaign, the We Are Irish 2 campaign, it was a great time. Um, I was in Washington, in New York, and in Boston multiple times and made incredible contacts with some leading Irish Americans, um, including Hillary Clinton, who we met in New York, and um, Richie Neal and the American Irish Caucus, all thanks to the ad hoc committee to protect the Good Friday Agreement, who very kindly hosted me on both times. So it was peak campaign. And um, then all of a sudden, it's just total silence. And in terms of from a campaign perspective, it's very hard to campaign and continue to have those um, conversations because a lot of it happens sort of off the cuff behind the scenes. You make inroads with people. So campaigning in general has, I think, suffered from the pandemic because you can't forge those relationships as easily when everything has to be done so formally via email and video conversations. So in general, it was quite hard to adjust to suddenly being home. In the early days, I stayed very active I found myself, maybe for the first couple of weeks, keeping myself busy all around the house. I got things done that I had been meaning to do for years. I got entire areas of the house completely cleaned out. I got the cupboards cleaned out. I got, you know, three years of newspapers uh, cut up and put into scrapbooks for a case. All kinds of little things that you put aside that you think you are going to hopefully eventually find time for. I find time and I got all those things done and it was great. 
Then I went through a more depressed state of affairs where I don't know how long this lasted, but I really feel like I spent maybe years of my life just on the sofa, drinking wine, eating cheese, and just watching TV. I didn't get dressed. I didn't do anything. And at the same time, it was almost satisfying <laughs> because I think I was making up for like years of not having had any time to relax. Yeah, you got to be uh, a couch potato for a little while. Mm, it was a good time. Then I came out of couch potato uh, stage and I went back into DIY and I needed to be active again. Plus it was summer, so I decided gardening was the way to go. And I became so motivated that I ended up queuing outside home base for over an hour just to get a tin of paint, which was really heavy and then I had to carry it home and it was a real pain in the ass to do that. <laughs> but man, that wall in the back garden looked good afterwards. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Then after that, I went back into food and learned how to make sourdough from scratch, like so many others. I think that makes me a real hipster now. <laughs> yeah, well, among among a few other uh, qualities, but yeah, definitely the 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 <laughs> uh, homebrew, the whole home home. Uh, I don't know what you'd call that. There's the self-sufficiency thing. That's right. it's, yeah, it's, it's we, pretty cool. Yeah, we still have that same sourdough starter. We're actually going to have some fresh sourdough today, have kept that tradition going. And uh, then after that, I went into clean eating and decided, you know what, I'm going to take this time to be the best version of myself that I've ever been and started, you know, doing yoga and trying to incorporate new routines into my daily schedule. I tried the keto diet, uh, which I actually really liked. I mean, if your dinner on this supposed diet consists of like a double cheeseburger with bacon wrapped in lettuce. That seems pretty good to me. Yeah. And I actually found it was quite good in terms of it almost rewired my relationship with food in general. You know, I wasn't having sugar. My carbohydrates were really low. I was less hungry, more energized. I did see the other benefits of the keto diet and I quite liked it. And I kept it going right up until I started back to work, which was a hard time. And I changed out of the keto diet really because I'm training for a half marathon and uh, running long distance and having low carbohydrates is not a very good combination. So I've went back on to regular eating while I'm training, but I certainly will be open to trying it again. And they were really my five stages, I think, of lockdown that I went through. Almost the five stages of grief, but... Uh... Feels like that. Well, the, the final nail in the coffin of grief was when I finally realized that I was all right with lockdown. I was all right with being home. And then suddenly I had to go back to work. Oh, well, then you had it interrupted. I mean, the fifth stage is acceptance, but then your acceptance was uh, unceremoniously uh, disturbed. It was very sad. But what about you, Jake? Tell us a little bit about your experience of lockdown. Oh, I've been, uh, well, it's a mixed bag because like my... Uh, germophobia has been off the scales obviously i've been that has been really hard to live with <laughs> i'm so sorry oh my god yeah i wouldn't want to live with me either but actually if i lived with me then neither of me would just leave the house ever that's <laughs> then you'd fun. have no food so you know you'd just die <laughs> well we'd order food but then we'd spray it down with so many chemicals before Man, we ate it that we'd food get in is so complicated now yeah not not a fun process of getting food um all things considered on the bright side of things uh, on a personal level, I have uh, definitely benefited from not having to leave the house in terms of my my own personal mental health. Mental health. I know a lot of people suffer from that, and I, I feel awful for them. 
but I'm lucky in that I really do. I've always loved staying in. So this has been kind of a, an, an enjoyable uh, side effect of, of otherwise horrible situation. Well, you're right to raise mental health because many people have expressed concern around mental health and lockdown and being indoors. And I think for someone you're like, like yourself who likes to be indoors, it's maybe not as difficult. But for people like myself that are active, being indoors for a long period of time is hard. And I did struggle for that. I think the only only thing that kept me sane was, of course, you, my loving husband, hmm. and also the three really fluffy, affectionate dogs that we have that I got to spend quality time with every day. There has, of course, been a massive surge in people getting puppies and kittens during lockdown. That's right. I really hope that um, it's not going to result in a massive surge of people giving up those animals once uh, they go back to work. It's like a, a like a larger scale version of the like Christmas effect where everyone gets a puppy, but then within a couple months they realize, oh, they don't want this puppy and now they this puppy now doesn't have a home. Yeah, as massive dog lovers, animal lovers in general, it's scary to think that there might be a lot of them that are needing a home at the end of this um lockdown pandemic the whole the whole general thing when people have to go back to work and can't take care of an animal that has taken care of them for so long during this difficult period yeah definitely so uh message here is uh do not get a dog or cat or animal if you do not have the time to take care of it because once you get that animal into your life you are going to be all it lives for and That's right. it's not right to do that. They love unconditionally and it uh, doesn't matter how you treat them. You can treat them like abject shit. And more often than not, that dog or cat or whatever will still look to you with love. And uh, that's not something to be pooped on. That's a good word. <laughs> um, but also, Jake, we had a big reversal in our lives, too, during lockdown because I became furloughed from my main job, which meant that I had quite a long period of time off work, which I don't think I've ever had in my adult life because I've always been in full-time employment. Whereas you lost all of your work as a musician, Jake, because all the pubs closed and therefore the music scene completely closed off. And instead of being home, you got a job. That's right. Um, this has been an unusual experience for me. Prior to lockdown, I was a working musician. And I was also doing, um, I guess, selling art and stuff at uh, little markets and things. Um, and then lockdown hits and all of that goes away. Um, and now I've I, I had to sort something out and uh, I had to take a, a much more, uh, I don't know what you'd call this, a more structured job. I took a, a job uh, in a... And well, it's thankfully it's working from home, uh, but it's a like a call center kind of job where I take calls and uh, help with people's tech, not technical situ. It's it. Uh, I, I can't. I probably shouldn't get into the specifics because I'm sure there uh, are rules with my employer to talk about it. But I, I basically I take calls from people and I uh, try to help them with issues. Yeah. So during the four months that I was off work, Jake was working that entire time. So you know, bless him. He would be getting up every day to go to work and I would just be laying in bed eating croissants until God knows what time. And I'm sure it was quite difficult for him to have to <laughs> adjust to that flip, almost yeah. reversal in our, in our lives. Because of course, as a 
working musician Jake primarily worked on a Friday and Saturday night for like two or three hours yeah. um, and that was his his full-time gig so right. it was a real flip in terms of uh, work-life balance definitely I'm not a morning person I am not good with structured positions and this I had to like throw myself into and it has been really really annoyingly difficult uh, and um, but very responsible of you Thank you. Thank you. I feel like a big boy. And also quite lucky because I think in the early days there were openings for positions like this because a lot of businesses had to bring in extra staff to deal with the increase in call volumes. But I think now there's been you know many more job losses and there aren't as many jobs on the market. A lot of people are going to be struggling. That's right. Yeah. So I'm very privileged to have gotten this position. Uh, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to still bring in money and help provide for my family uh, while also maintaining safety indoors, uh, which is a luxury a lot of people don't have. So as much as I gripe about this, I, it's, I'm really uh, privileged to have this position. A huge part of lockdown for us, of course, then was film and TV because we're both really big buffs when it comes to film and TV in general. Um, but we had ourselves a lot of extra time to catch up on shows that we hadn't seen before and consumed a probably pretty insane amount of entertainment over that period of time. Oh, yeah. It will be pretty hard to go through everything that we watched, but we'll talk a little bit about some of them for some... Um, recommendations you could say as to what we find to be pretty good the first thing we went through was a phase where all we watched were like pandemic movies and virus movies yeah. i can't tell you how many times i watched contagion uh you know in the first couple of weeks i mean man that film was like a prediction of what happened yeah and we had actually watched it like i don't know like a month or so before the whole pandemic thing started just because i like that movie <laughs> so it's a great movie yeah. but also so close to what actually we were going through so it was terrifying yeah. uh and you could, it's like a car crash you know you you can't take your eyes off it you don't want to see it but you have to watch it and find it really cathartic to be able to watch movies that were you know, related to what we are experiencing on a global scale. So uh, Contagion was high up there, and I probably watched it half a dozen times in the last couple of months. Definitely. We also watched The Hot Spot. Oh, The Hot, no, hot zone. zone. There the we hot go. Hot Spot. What, is what that? am I thinking of? That I must be something know. else. It does, oh, I think that's The Hot Spot. Isn't that the, the bar that was in... Uh, Stephen King's It and The Shining, I think. I Maybe. don't know. It was. It wasn't The Shining. It was in. Uh, what was the sequel called? The um. Um. The uh, sequel of Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I think it was the the place that burnt down. If I'm not mistaken. That. Uh, yeah, you could be right. And um, on that note, we recommend that movie. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. I forgot that we. Yeah, watched. Was great. I, I think we watched that pre. Uh, we did, but still. Minutes. Uh, it was one to throw very, very close to the novel. Like, I really liked the book. I know a lot of people trashed it, but I thought it was really good and um, definitely worth reading if you are a fan of Stephen King in general and you really like the novel version of The Shining. Because the, the movie version of The Shining was great, too. But Yeah, but it was so far removed from the yeah. book. I loved the book. I thought the book actually was terrifying and much scarier than the movie. Agreed. I mean, those hedge animals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So scary. So, so scary. <laughs> uh, we're going a little off track, but um, it's because we both are huge Stephen King fans. Yeah. Um, and we're both both huge horror fans would probably be our favorite genre. Definitely. But um, speaking of movies, uh, one movie that I really enjoyed was You Were Never Really Here. 
or, Which one was or was the, it never really there? Yeah, I don't. We were never really there. I, what was that one again? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix? Phoenix. Oh yeah, where he was like a really creepy, creepy serial killer, or yeah. not a serial? No, killer. He, he was a hired gun. Hired gun. Yeah, he was. But one yeah. with a heart. Yeah, but still, still creepy. Yeah, but it was a great movie, and he's a great actor. He's been doing some really solid roles recently, where he's just. I mean, his role in the Joker as well was yeah really fantastic um, and hard to watch, but yeah. incredible. He's always been good. I mean, I That's remember true. I first like recognized him in Gladiator when he played that like horrible creep. He's always he's a good creep, that creepy like Caesar kind of guy, and the whole thing. Uh, uh, it was he was just great in that. And then obviously. He was really good in a completely different styled role in Signs where he had like an air of humor to him. But like he played a good like deadbeat, but deadbeat with heart. And I don't know, just like he's always just so, so consistently good. Yeah, he's great. But man, his acceptance speeches. Oh, on another level. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. But they're so like him, you know, it really, yeah, yeah, yeah. he seems so That's genuine. True. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we also watched a couple of movies. Um by the same director. So one of them was Bone Tomahawk. Oh, was that? Oh, th- this isn't the same director as he was never there. Yeah, no, the, there. there's two movies, Bone Tomahawk and uh, Dried Across Concrete. Yeah. Were done by the same director. Was it also the same writer, Jake? Yeah, it's the same writer director, if I'm not mistaken. And he also did um, Brawl and Cell Block there we in go. 99, I think, or something. So we finally got around to watching Bone Tomahawk and Dried Across Concrete. Uh, both were brilliant movies. I really enjoyed them. Uh, Bone Tomahawk is kind of like a Western, and I usually hate Westerns. Hates them, yeah. Uh, a Western... Kind of like a revenge. But yeah. like, the, you don't want to go too in Don't want to give too much away. Great cast. Uh, really great movie. Slow burner, but like, all of his movies are kind of slow burners, but they have these moments of just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. um, Dry to Cost Concrete was Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, um, and it was a really hard movie. Actually, yeah. for me, that one was a little harder to watch than Bone Tomahawk it was, because it was just kind of, you know, The subject sad. matter and the everything about it was rough. And, I mean, those two actors, though I, I love, um, uh, what, what's, it, what's the, the Australian one's name? Mel remember. Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah. Sorry, I always forget his name. I don't know why. It's kind of an odd name. Um, he, I, I love him as an actor. I hate him many aspects of his personality and the things that he's said and done in the past and the belief system, which I believe he still Mm -hmm. in a way harbors. I know he and, uh, and now I can't remember the other guys. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. So I'll just have him uh, name these people for me. (laughs) Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson, both, I believe were pretty somewhat openly, um, like, I think, I don't know if they've come out as proper Trump supporters, but I know they were uh, conservative, right leaning, you know, basically going, going against the grain of all the other, uh, mostly liberal, uh, democratic, uh, just liberal in general, uh, arts people and, and Hollywood, uh, folks. So I, I don't, I don't know why they have those beliefs. I don't know, uh, where it comes from, but they, they both, I mean, Mel Gibson has always been a good actor, but I was very surprised by Vince Vaughn's like range and the two of them. That's true. I was impressed to see because the guy that writes these movies that wrote, you know, and directs, you know, Cell Bra- Brawl and Cell Block 99, uh, Bone Tomahawk and Dragged Across Concrete is a, a pretty like openly and proudly Jewish guy. And 
to work with. I mean, Mel Gibson had, does not have a good history with uh, Jewish people. And so I was very surprised. But he he's like worked with these guys pretty exclusively. He really has taken them in. And I for whatever reason it is, I'm 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 intrigued and also really impressed with how well they've all worked together because they well, maybe let's hope that Mel Gibson has reformed and suddenly has found the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And um, we can but hope. There's always room to grow, guys. Yes. And I, I feel terrible, by the way, that I can't remember the uh, writer-director's name, but he also has... Uh, he's written books. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's really, really prolific. And he also has a very cool... Um, a, it's like an audio book, but it's also on Amazon Prime like video, I believe. Uh, uh, it's a story called The Narrow Caves, which he wrote. Um, and it's like an audio drama kind of thing. It's, uh, I haven't listened to it, uh, all the way through, but I've listened to the first episode and I really like it. I just think worth listening to this guy in general. I think he has music. He's got like a metal band or something. He just does all kinds of stuff. one of those people that's just prolific and just super creative and incredible and just seems to have more time in the day than any normal person does. Exactly. And he doesn't shy away from like upsetting things, which I've, I've always been, I, as a child, I was so not into disturbing movies. I was like, I could, I walked out of several movies as a little kid, you know, cried seeing certain things that were, you know, like even stuff that's kind of not a big deal. Like in the X-Files movie, there's a sequence where uh, Mulder is pulling out like a gross, like uh, <laughs> tube thing from like an intubated uh, Scully while she's like trapped uh-huh. in an alien cocoon. And I remember I had to walk out of the theater as a kid because I was is- like, so sweet I know, and so yeah. sad. Was a little went, man. We yeah. really had a different, uh, a different upbringing yeah, then because I was raised on scary movies. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, so when I'm like two, three, four, five, oh my dad is having me watch just like the Chucky movies and uh, all the freaking Nightmare and Elm Street stuff. And yeah, I was raised on it, and so I have a pretty, pretty high bar, yeah, high tolerance, uh, high tolerance uh, for scary movies. And um, definitely, yeah. It didn't have that initial fear that you had, Jake. No, I had a real aversion to it. Anything that was like body horror, stuff like Cronenberg's uh, the, the Fly. There were some sequences in that, when I, th- which I saw when it's I was It's like two. a comedy. It's not like a comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, uh, I, I couldn't handle it. But later I've found that I've, I've like made up for it tenfold. And now I like love seeing stuff that, that does still twinge that like upsetting, disturbing quality that like really upsets me on, in a deep way. But I love that. I love that there are ca- that movies and, and stories. Uh, I love that anything can make you feel such a strong emotion. So. Yeah, I think we'll probably do a Halloween special uh, in which we'll discuss uh, some of our favorite uh, scary movies and Definitely. shows because there are a lot of them. And uh, we will enjoy doing a scary, spooky episode Absolutely. closer to Halloween time. In terms of TV shows, we did watch a lot of shows. Uh, of course, it would not have been locked down if we did not watch Tiger King. Oh, yeah. That kind of set off everybody's... Uh, Man, that yeah. was so good. <laughs> yeah. God we still didn't almighty. watch that like, follow-up episode. It was like a follow-up. Either, we yeah. haven't watched the follow-up episode, but yeah, it was great. It was really good. Um, set the tone. Set the tone. And we also watched the latest series of Ozark. For anyone that hasn't seen it, that's a great show on yes. Netflix as well. Really good. 
We finally caught up with the Northern Irish show, The Fall. That's right, yeah. Jake, you really enjoyed the fact that it was set in Belfast. Yeah, I, I think that. that's really cute that you now see Belfast in movies or TV shows and you're like, oh, my home. That's right, I do, yeah. Just like I, you know, I mean, I got really desensitized with always everything always taking place in L.A. I didn't appreciate it. But since moving here, I've come to really love that so many things take place in Los Angeles and very few things that I've noticed have taken place in Belfast or in Northern Ireland or even in Ireland full stop. And when they do, I always get very excited and, of course, particularly excited to see a show completely centered around Belfast. That was that was really cool. <laughs> it was a great show. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, we also finally caught True Detective season three. We skipped season two. I feel kind of yeah. bad about that, to be honest. We should but probably try We it again. loved season one with Matthew McConaughey and... Um, What's his name? I'm terrible. I think he was in. Um, oh, I'm never going to get this now. Sorry, so sorry, great, brilliant actor that He's we a can't brilliant remember. Actor who we both really, really like. We love I you. I mean, I can picture him just, right now in my head, I but can't. I cannot get his name. I can't even it's picture so you, so I apologize even more. Um, okay, well, yeah. So, oh, is it Woody something? Oh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Yes. I finally got it. Okay, no, yeah, he good. is great. We love him. Yeah, he's so awesome. first season of True Detective was brilliant. Um, second season, we tried like three times. I think we got through two or three episodes and just could not get into it. I don't know why. So I don't remember even what I didn't skipped it. Yeah. Um, that was also Vince Vaughn. So apologies, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> but we just couldn't. We just couldn't get into it. Sorry, so fun. it's one of those shows where each season is a completely different story and a completely different cast. We thought, okay, well, let's try season three because we had heard it was actually good and it was it lived up to that expectation and was a really good season so i'd highly recommend true detective season three another um show that we caught up on was mindhunter season two which we loved the first season and the second season and the second season was really building up the storyline and then we finished it and then we read that they have canceled it. Yeah. So we will never, never get closure on that, which is so disappointing. I hate it when they do that. I know. They were like the, every every episode had these short little interludes that dealt with the um, and I can't remember what serial killer it was, but it was some serial killer. They were like building up a like the um, the, the prelude to where like you're seeing him like slowly starting to build up to what will soon become like a very famous serial killer story, which of course was going to lead into like the next season, which would have focused on him. Mm-hmm. And then it all just came to nothing. And uh, that was really <sighs> upsetting. it's always so sad when that happens. Is there any other movies or TV shows you want to shout out Jake while we're on this section? My God. Yes. There are so many, uh, I Keep it made short. a giant <laughs> list. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to put a longer list in the show notes of like, the movies that we've watched. That's more... a great idea. And of course, as I said, we'll be doing a special on the scary ones. Exactly. For we'll focus on that, but we'll put a, put a, uh, as conclusive a list as we can in the show notes. So anyone who's interested can pick and choose some of these and look into them and see if they're, you know, up their alley. But, um, uh, um, well, okay. The first thing we really loved was we subscribed to shutter, um, prime. I'll, I'll go to prime right now. Prime has, um, a really cool, feature where if you subscribe to a certain channel through prime uh you are able to watch uh select movies that would be exclusively available through that uh particular channel uh, one of them is called uh shutter which is like an exclusive horror thriller uh you know anything to, in within those genres it would have films related to that um 
And um, we have been enjoying Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, he's just this brilliant. He's been doing it for decades now, but he's like a silly host guy who who basically does. Uh, he'll 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 play a film. You'll watch a movie, but he'll pop in, you know, periodically throughout the movie to talk about either things related to the movie or or politics or politics anything <laughs> even slightly related to something related to the movie sometimes you'll have he interviews. Has great commentary really great comment commentary like he's he's really brilliant but uh also very funny and it's got this like fun very american like twinge to it uh it's kind of like a southern he's got like a southern drawl he uh, kind of hams up the whole like southern guy thing but it's it's I, I cannot stress how great it is because the movies that he he um, he does, the movies that he uh, features are, you know, they cover the gambit, across all kinds of different styles, you know, slasher to more like uh, indie to, you know, more introspective and bizarre. But he he really knows his stuff. But so we watched um, one cut of the dead through his uh, he did an episode featuring that. We didn't actually finish it, sadly, which uh, sucks. We got distracted, but we'll have to come back to that. But we really like that. Um, we watched the um, what were the Pinhead movies? The Hellraiser. Yeah, Hellraiser. We watched. We watched. He did a Hellraiser two episode, um, and so yeah, highly recommend uh, Joe Joe Bob's Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, I cannot remember the full title. It's got a crazy long title. Driving. Driving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other movies we watched. Uh, we watched through, um, I believe this was Netflix, Vivarium, which um, I really loved. Uh, it's by an Irish writer and director. Yes. And man, that guy, the both, it's the two, no, it was like two people, right? I think it was uh, the, it was two, the writer and the director, I think are two different people, if I'm not mistaken, but they're both Irish. I think they're a team. I could be wrong, but in any case, the, the guy's the the people that did that movie were so good. I love Vivarium. It's like the perfect mix of, you know, bizarre indie, like funny, but um, also just such a disturbing concept. And there are some sequences in that film which like really stick with you. I really loved it. It was great. Um, and then you know, watched all kinds of other stuff. We watched. I watched like this weird indie uh, horror movie called Spiral, which was. Really sad, but but good. Um, yeah, he was watching that while I was writing some piece for a paper or for an event that I was going to speak at. And I, so I was working and I, and I was half watching it in the background. And then I was annoyed that he'd watched what was apparently a very good movie. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was. Uh, while I was unable to fully watch it and therefore um, I have only seen half of it. Yeah, you should you watch know, it The again, rule should, should be, Jake, if I'm working and therefore can't really pay attention, you I, should watch a terrible movie. I'm not allowed to watch anything good. I have to watch something bad. I have to punish myself because <laughs> you're working. Uh, so, yeah, that was it was odd. Like there were some things that were kind of tropey, kind of you've seen it before. But then there were other things you just didn't expect it to happen. And then the subject matter itself is such a heavy subject matter. Uh, and I really liked that aspect of it. It was really um, it felt like it touched on a lot of important issues. Um, then we watched a movie that I had seen before, but Emma hadn't, which is we watched The Devil's Candy, which uh, that was like such a uh, the, the soundtrack is great because um, it was by. Well, I, I don't know if they, you can call them. I don't know if they really did the whole soundtrack, but they contributed a lot of music to it called Sun O. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. It's the word sun as in the star and then the letter O, I believe, or a zero, um, followed by three 
end parentheses. Uh, a, uh, so yeah, it's, or are they parentheses and, uh, uh, brackets. I don't know what the hell they are anyway. Um, very odd band, but the, it was a very, um, distinct sound in the film. Uh, and the movie itself is such a creepy movie. Um, Emma, you watched, uh, while I was working, the Hills have eyes, the original, I Mm -hmm. believe, which Mm -hmm. was a, um, great movie. I haven't seen in a long time. We watched Downrange, which was through um, Prime uh, Shutter there, which was another like kind of indie, practically no budget movie. Um, we watched uh, The Beach House, which was weird. Um, it, it almost kind of teetered on a zombie virus thing, but it definitely wasn't one of those movies. Um, sea Fever, we watched another Irish related film. Um Man, I really like Sea Fever. It kind of it lost me towards the end, uh, like in the middle end area where it kind of went off the off the deep end to for a bad pun. Mm-hmm. But um, there were some sequences that, as somebody who has both, uh, what do you call this? Um, there's a phobia of things. I well, I have a, I have a horrible phobia of giant looming things under underwater. I believe. Usually, if they're man-made, I know it's sub-mechanophobia. And if... uh, Oh, thalassophobia is fear of, like, the deep ocean. I don't know. It twinged a lot of things in me seeing uh, aspects of that movie. So highly recommend if you're into Irish horror stuff, check that out. Sea Fever. We also rewatched another Irish horror movie called the hallow um which really is great i love that um it gets into like irish folklore and stuff um man we watched tons i watched lock uh which emma couldn't I hated stand that yeah but i don't know why Why are you even recommending that don't I'm, watch that I, that's no, a watch terrible it. it's movie. not a terrible movie it's a movie where like oh no, no guys this was terrible l-o-c-k-e watch it oh, it's, it's an a24 film and a24 can practically do no it's wrong it's the most there. boring movie i have ever seen i really liked it and I, it was i'll like, never get back my life <laughs> for the time that i lost watching that half watching it I will never get it back. I think the problem is that you have watched it. I, I really liked well, there it. There wasn't really anything to watch. It was inter- a guy in a car for yeah. an hour and a half. It was Ed Hardy, and it was in a very unusual role, and I liked it, and I like A24. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't recommend that one. Wow. <laughs> um, we watched um, Grizzly Man again. I, I hadn't seen that since it came out, and Emma had never seen that, and that was an... Uh, that was really sad. Really sad. But, like, man... Don't go hang out with bears. No, you know, like don't hang out that with just bears. is not the. You shouldn't do that. It's you not good for you. It's not good for the bears. No, you should not. We watched Yellow Brick Road, which was mostly bad, but a very uh, good concept, and it dealt with uh, like a Lovecraftian thing. And it was also, I was very surprised when I saw the credits because I saw that the costume designer was none other than the. I can, of course, I can't remember his name either, but the awesome guy who. Um, also for A24 created The Witch and The Lighthouse um, that, that I could not believe that he and he wasn't it's not even on his IMDb he's like I don't think I think he wanted to expunge this from the records <laughs> but he was the costume designer for this very low budget like no budget cool concept but not so great execution uh, Lovecraftian horror called Yellow Brick Road all one word um, and uh, we watched let's see here Emma you watched Open Water for the 54 50- millionth time i love shark movies Emma loves shark i movies. love shark movies and why just why are there no new good shark movies there really i don't understand it 
Why are there only like maybe at a push like 10 good shark movies ever? Ever. Well, that's really at a push too. I don't understand it. There's loads of Sharknados, loads of stupid shark movies. (laughs) There's so many of those. The the whole concept of a movie where you're in the water and there are a shark. I mean, there's just so many things you can do with that. There are. It's endless. And it's terrifying. Yeah. And I love them. They're trying again. You know, they did their like, what was the, uh, there was... Uh, the Meg, and then there was. I, that... I liked the Meg, but it was no open water. It wasn't. It was no deep blue sea. What about that other it... huge budget uh, underwater with the chick from Twilight? That was another like. Yeah, that was Lovecraftian though, and that wasn't about sharks. That was and for me, it's sharks yeah. or nothing. I can't really call that a Lovecraftian movie because the theme wasn't. It was just like a really. I won't. We won't. Yeah, we just, won't give it away. We just in a Lovecraft thing at the very end. Yeah, very, a very unexpected and very odd. Um. Speaking of bad movies, I think we should talk about some of the bad horror movies we watch, which are so wonderfully bad. Uh, we, I, I had never seen Wishmaster. Uh, Emma introduced me to the Wishmaster franchise and always wanted to watch them it's as like, a kid. It's like, how have you not seen those? They were like yeah, huge and also the stupidest movies. Right. You'd see them. You'd see the boxes, the VHSs in like Blockbuster as you were browsing. But like, I don't know. When I was young, I always thought, A, probably too scary. And B, like, I'll just. You They're know, not rent scary. a video game. They're not scary, but they have the first one, and like a couple of them have like really good body horror, horrible effects. Like for the gross. for when they were made, for the absolutely. Time. Yeah, for the time, definitely don't hold up. But like they, I, I, I don't know. I wish more movies dealt with uh, really, really like gross, upsetting body horror stuff like these older movies did. You know, you don't see it anymore. But surprisingly, Lovecraft Country, while it's very safe in a lot of ways. Um, uh, of course, with the exception of the subject matter, which, you know, oftentimes teeters into very heavy, uh, you know, fucked up stuff. Um, the, the I was blown away by how viscerally, disturbingly grotesque some of those effects are. And like, I don't understand. It's like it's written in such a safe manner. But then they bust out these like genuinely like I have to look away, kind of shit. I don't know. So I, I that that surprised me. I, I wish there was more of that in uh, television and film. Um, so yeah, Wishmaster. We also watched. Um, you know, I I kind of led the the brigade on this, but I really wanted to watch all of the Leprechaun movies. I'd never seen them. My God, <laughs> that was. I don't know how I feel about that, Jake. Like <laughs> I don't think I was very happy about it at the time. You weren't. Um. <laughs> I don't know if, on reflection, I'm still happy about it. I mean, I'm um, happy I, we did I, it. I can say that I did think that Leprechaun in the Hood was <laughs> funny. Yeah. To a degree. To a degree. But, I mean, guys, these are not great movies. They're not great movies, no. Uh, these are like, if you want to have a laugh and um, watch yeah. something pretty bad. Some of them are like actually work to get through. Like I believe the one Leprechaun oh, in space gosh. was like uh, that. Don't. It was awful. That, that was one, a really bad one. That one was really bad. Like they just kind of. As, as you can tell, we really just wasted a lot of our time. We did. But I mean, we're not alone. I'm sure plenty of other people watched a lot of Drek. Um But yeah, uh, if you like some of those movies are a challenge. But uh, if you ever want to. uh put yourself through a uh, a trial you can try to get through all the leprechauns there are there is some gold oh my god that was a bad pun mm. uh but there's also a lot of garbage in there um the okay let's see here get through Okay, 
so um, I just got told off by my wife for basically only uh, recommending shit movies and also talking ad nauseum about just too many movies. I need to skip to the good ones. So I'm just going to go through my list and rattle off a bunch of good movies oh, that God. we watched. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Body Melt. Never saw that. Don't. Don't recommend body melt. I loved it. I'm going to take you off the air, guys. Oh, We're going to have to just cut No, off. I'm going to keep going. Okay, okay. Um... Bear with me here. Um, you realize we're doing a horror special for Halloween, so you don't have to share every single scary movie we watched in the past six months. Well, but we're talking about all the movies that we watched during lockdown, so it's like you know, very much up, uh, thematically, you know, worth mentioning. We're talking about lockdown in general. Well, this is basically all lockdown was for me was just watching shitty movies. Um, okay. Uh, wow, there's a lot of crap. I have to skip through most of this. Um, then we watched 12 Hour Shift recently, which was quite good. It had the uh, actress from May in it, uh, which I really liked. We watched Alone, which was also quite good. Um, we watched Marionette, which was odd. We've watched a lot of 90 Day Fiance. We watched um, The House That Jack Built, which was... I really liked that. Yeah, that was intense. But uh, if you love... Um, what's his name? He does... Uh, he did, you know, Antichrist and... Uh, Let's see here. Lars von Trier. Yeah, Lars von Trier. He's he's great. Um, and we watched Relic, which was a really odd, not the original Relic of the 90s. That was a totally different style movie. But this movie, Relic, was uh, a creepy, modern, uh, both regular horror and psychological kind of horror. It was weird. Um, we watched The King of Staten Island, which was a comedy. I liked that. Yeah, me too. I liked that too. It was a, a, a very different Judd Apatow movie. Um, with interesting, uh, like factoids, like the actor. Okay, I'm cutting you off. Oh. I'm cutting you off. You've been talking about uh, movies and TV shows for like ever. Yeah, well, I love movies and TV shows. We're gonna have to talk about something else because this entire episode can't just be about the movies that we like. Fine. We also watched The Wire. Oh my God! Yes, we did though. That was right. <laughs> we've I think we've watched all the main HBO stuff now. Not all of it. You still haven't watched like any. Well, you've watched some, but you haven't watched nearly enough of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is amazing. I do like Curb Your Enthusiasm. We'll find time. But uh, that was, of course, a large part of lockdown for us, and all in all, I think we probably covered what the first lockdown was like. You know, as I was saying, it was it was difficult to adjust to life indoors. It was also difficult to adjust for myself. I was almost like the main uh, provider in many ways because Jake would be a vulnerable person because he was hospitalized at the start of the year and he has bad asthma. So we were concerned about his health. So I was the person in charge of doing all the shopping during lockdown, which was a bit scary to be the person going in to have to do the um, groceries and stuff whenever you're worried about potentially catching the virus and then taking it home to your vulnerable partner. So that was a bit scary. And on reflection, we also think that Jake maybe even already had coronavirus. Yeah, He was hospitalized uh, just after Christmas over New Year. And we know that the virus was in on the island of Ireland um, in December. So we didn't know that now. Nobody knew that then. Nobody um, knew that then. But during the time, he went from being totally fine to in the space of a day, really struggling to breathe. And of course, um, in true Irish form, he was like, I really need to go to the doctor. And I was like, catch yourself on. You're totally fine. You don't yeah. need to go to the doctor. You've got a chest infection. You'll be fine. <laughs> and he's laying there trying to breathe. And I'm on the phone to my mom saying, you should see the state of him. Talking about <laughs> wanting to go to the hospital for a chest infection. I mean, what a waste of time. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fast forward to like uh, I arrive at the hospital. Uh, I mean, I'm, the whole time in the cab, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm, I'm and I'm just like chatting away to the taxi driver. Like everything is totally normal. Yeah. Uh, and a, 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 a little side note here: had we known that there was even a thing uh, that coronavirus was even a thing at this time, there's no way in hell I would have taken a cab. I would have insisted on getting an, an important ambulance. note. Yeah. So this is only because we had no idea it was a thing. Uh, you know, we'd only heard of it as, you know, something mentioned. About and we don't know for sure if it was coronavirus. We don't, exactly. We, there's no we way to know. But we have strong suspicions. Whatever it was, my God, I was so fucked up. I like, I was sprawled out on the couch with my head on our coffee table because I didn't want my head anywhere near a fabric. I don't know why. My, my brain was just trying to like do anything it could to try to keep my lungs open. But I could not breathe. And I was like, with my last breath, I was like, call an ambulance which i didn't do instead i got a taxi anyway i got him to the hospital yeah uh he was rushed through and he was admitted and uh they said uh, i would have died if i didn't get there on time like i was was definitely at risk it was that his oxygen levels um were extremely low and they kept him in for almost a week which as we all know here uh, they don't keep you in unless you really need to be there. So right. he was very sick. And at the time, they had uh, thought that it was a virus, but they hadn't pinpointed what it was that yeah, had caused him to become so the sick. They thought it was the flu. It wasn't the flu. And of course, back then, they weren't testing for coronavirus. So on ref- uh, looking back, we think there's a good chance that Jake already had it. Yeah. And if that's the case, then so did I, because I then became yeah. sick and I was death deadly sick as well. Like I had an awful cough that was just terrible but you, you didn't you didn't like you your mom uh your mom's boyfriend everybody got what i had we all but got they sick had it from you it was totally different though i mean everybody had like they were like wow this is extremely bad but nobody got hospitalized so yeah, I, I none was, of us were hospitalized but we all did say that whatever it was uh was definitely worse than anything we'd had before and it was like such right. a bad chest so the infection. seriousness of the of the illness and the uh the fact that it spread so quickly. I mean, I spent practically no time with your your mother or uh, your mother's and boyfriend. And I also spent practically no time with him too. Yeah, and yeah, I, the whole, all of it was, it was, it all kind of adds up to being pretty, uh, at least to us, it seems pretty obvious that it was Corona. And my mom came to visit from the States uh, to see me uh, with my dad. They both came out um, and they both, I think my mom got something and she has bad, I mean, she's vulnerable. She's got bad asthma. And she said she felt like there was an elephant sitting on her chest for like, you know, a week or something. But she, again, she didn't end up having to be hospitalized, but everybody got wrecked by this. And yeah. it seems like it. Yeah. So that that's her thought. But anyway, so that was lockdown for us. It was definitely a difficult experience, but one that also, for me personally, it made me almost pause to reflect a little bit on what is important in life and what matters most. And it gave us an opportunity as a family to spend more time together than we had been able to do for a long time. And for that much, I am grateful. Yeah, our our evenings together, I mean, are just, it's t- so different. Now we get to spend all of our evenings together. I don't ever have to, you know, have the panic of like, oh, I got to finish dinner right now because I got to get my gear together and run out the door mm-hmm. and play a gig and then come home in the middle of the night and then 
it, that would just screw up my schedule because I'd be awake late at night and I'd end up, you know, staying up really late and then I'd sleep in till like a million o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, we do have a better routine. Yeah. And even though I'm now back to work in my full time day job, I have managed to keep some routines and habits that were good during lockdown. I've still held on to a few of those. So whilst I might be pretty busy through the week between the campaign work that I do, between working and now I'm back at uni uh, full time, I'm also the vice chair and spokesperson for Northern Ireland for votingrights.ie. And yeah, I like to keep myself busy. But even still, on a Saturday when I finish my working week, I have a pretty solid routine now of going for a long run and then taking Saturday night off and watching a movie and for time ordering takeout. Hmm. And uh, I will prep a fresh sourdough loaf on a Saturday night. I'll get up on a Sunday morning and I'll bake fresh sourdough and we will just take a day to be together and not have to be busy or stressed or worried about anything else. So it's given me the ability to think more about what's important and the importance of taking time for yourself and what you find to be um, good for you. So that's one benefit that I found from lockdown. Definitely. Kind of rewired how I saw things. Um, so that's good. Of course, now the possibility of a second lockdown, it does seem pretty imminent. The cases are rising across the whole island of Ireland and it's deeply concerning to see how many cases are rising and really the lack of political leadership. The fact that the Irish government have went against the recommendations from health officials, I mean, these guys were not recommending a level five lockdown for the crack. They were doing so because that is the best um, option from a health and safety per, uh, perspective, whereas, you know, political reasons have led to a level three lockdown. And um, I find that to be quite, quite a risky um, decision to make politically because the government has now exposed themselves to the fact that if the cases continue to rise and it continues to get worse, well, they can't say they were, they were told to go into level three because they didn't. They were told to go to level five. They made a decision not to. And so any negative um, anything negative that happens as a result of making that political decision is going to come fully down on the government. So it's pretty risky politically to make that move. Then here in Northern Ireland, we practically have no leadership when it comes to the pandemic because we we barely get any kind of statement from the first minister and deputy first minister. And every week the cases continue to get higher but the executive doesn't even meet to talk about this stuff. They meet like once a week on a Thursday to talk about the possibility of restrictions or we might do something, we might do something. And then we're all waiting for these announcements on Thursday afternoon and they announce like practically nothing. Basically just like don't go around to your mate's house, but go meet your mate in the pub for a pint. Yeah, that that whole thing was just so preposterous. They, they don't trust you to... Uh... You know, exercise good uh, hygiene uh, or, you know, social distancing with your mates. But it's fine as long as you come in and pay a, you know, a business for the uh, privilege of being near your friends drinking. And Well, I think that um, just to note businesses, I know that a lot of businesses are going to be struggling. And this is an extremely difficult time, especially for small business owners and many establishments that have been closed for months upon months upon months. And what's needed there is not necessarily getting people in the doors where they could be at risk, but is a better package to support these businesses in order to give them the funding that they need to be able to keep the population safe, but also save their business. And I think there's a real lack of 
support for businesses and a real lack of support for the arts and music there, sector. There oh is. my God, the There's... arts and music sector has been completely thrown aside. Screwed. I mean, self-employed musicians like Jake, who's had to go get a job as, at a call center. I mean, they basically have no safety net coming from the executive or from the government. In Not order even basically. To there is no safety net. It's horrible. It's um, true. Well, we well, they did release that government's. Um, the government quiz this week to find yeah. another career you could retrain as. We my, both had a lot of fun with that. My, my favorite were the ones where there's so this person who uh, theoretically is a musician who has lost their ability to uh, provide for their family as a musician. Well, here you go. Here's here's the best alternative based on your, uh, you know, your skill set. How about this is a real lucrative one. Why don't you be an actor? Because being an actor is is so uh, undoubtedly uh, uh, effective, an effective means of bringing in money in comparison to being a musician. I mean, they're so wildly different. Everyone knows you got that stable gig as just I'm just going to jump in and be an actor. Or uh, how about an entertainer? Because got, as a professional both. musician, you're not already an entertainer. I don't understand. Yeah, it was a really amusing uh quiz we both had some really funny uh answers i mean mine, mine were pretty wide ranging from surgeon uh to actor from architect to yeah. yoga therapist surgeon is great because like <laughs> oh i know you need money now but just wait you know nearly a decade and then you might if you get a job as a surgeon by that long long off in the distance point you may be able to make a ton of money but like you'll have been long dead by that time because you couldn't provide for yourself <laughs> right. or your family i mean the whole idea of this quiz was just so wrong on so many levels um, especially at a time when you know, the chancellor was making really not very good comments about Horrible. those who are losing their jobs, um, especially in the arts sector. So that has been a whole thing. But in general, just the response at the moment to the pandemic leaves a lot to be desired. And I have found the Northern Ireland um, restrictions to be really perplexing. You know, for example, Derry and Strabane has gone into a lockdown and their cases per 100,000 when they went into lockdown um, was less than Belfast is now. But yet there's been no announcements on restrictions for Belfast. So why did Derry go into lockdown? Whereas Belfast, which has now got a higher rate per 100,000 that Derry had when it first went into lockdown, isn't going into lockdown. It just doesn't make any sense. Why treat one part of the region differently than the other? And the reality is, is the cases are going up and something is going to have to be done because the real concern is the lack of capacity in our hospitals. The amount of ICU beds that are available are now at 18. That's not very many beds for other casualties, like if there's a car accident or another emergency where someone right. needs to go into the ICU. Um, in terms of hospital admissions in general, uh, hospitals are already coming under sustained pressure from the increase of COVID-19 patients. I had such a terrible first couple days in the hospital when I went in. Uh, I can't imagine what it will be like as these cases continue to pour in and more and more people like need to get into the hospital uh, are identified as vulnerable or as having COVID and need to be isolated. And I mean, it just blows my yeah. mind. I, it was so bad. And this was before it all hit. This you know, is it shit because, you know, in winter, you have such a massive increase of um, other issues such as the flu season. 
Um, and I mean, there's loads of other things that happen during winter. You know, there's an increase in falls and stuff with the ice. I once broke my elbow uh, during winter on the ice and was one of those people that had to go to hospitals. So there's added pressure to the health service and the hospitals during winter anyway. And we're going to have a really difficult time over these next few months with this added pressure of coronavirus on those that are there to protect us and save lives. And I think that there needs to be hard decisions made by the executive now, and they should really have been made weeks ago. Um, the, what we've been hearing is the holdup might be to do with funding and trying to get a better financial packet, package from the British government in order to support businesses here. And I think, of course, the economy has to be protected as well. Jobs have to be protected. I don't know what either of us would do if we lost our jobs entirely. How would we pay the bills? How would we pay you know, or rent. So of course, these things have to be protected. But we've also been hearing that the government has already given the funding to Northern Ireland. So there's not really a lot of clarity as to what the holdup is, and why they're not making these hard decisions now. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, Monday morning. But if we have to wait again to Thursday for them even to talk about this stuff, I think I'm going to lose my mind. And I'm sure you won't be alone. I'm sure there are a lot of like-minded individuals throughout this uh, region who are just as fed up with all of this uh, utter bullshit, if you will. Anyway, I think we're pretty close to closing off this episode. We would probably like to close, I think, with a positive message of, (laughs) you know... Uh, Watch was... crappy movies. That's my <laughs> positive message. Watch lots and lots of crappy movies. Um, I am going to go with a more take care of yourself approach. Um, I think it's that... the same thing. It's just a different way yeah, of saying Yeah, I mean, it. that's also a good way of taking care of yourself. Sometimes it's important to take time off and relax and watch a terrible movie. Support shitty filmmakers. They also need money. But in general, I think the message that is important to get across right now is that this too will pass. It's a really difficult time right now for all of us across the globe in terms of having to restrict our movements. I mean, we were supposed to be going to Donegal at the end of this month to take our dogs to stay at a beautiful Airbnb right by the beach. And I was desperately looking forward to it. And it has, of course, had to be cancelled because of the restrictions in Derry and Donegal and the rising cases. And that's really difficult to do because I was desperately, desperately ready to go and just be on the beach and drink wine for a week. But, um, you know, these things can't go forward right now. And it's hard to accept that. But at the same time, we have to understand that the beach will be there next year. And whilst 2020 might be a bit of a write-off, we know that that will eventually get better and things will come to an end and we will don't, all be... Don't say that. Things will come to an end. That's a that's too uh, vague and ominous at this point. Let's end go with... End of the uh, world. The, the, yeah, <laughs> honestly, uh, this pandemic will eventually, <laughs> hopefully... A bit uh, of clarity. Yes, come to that's an a end. Bit more, that's a bit more solid, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so try to stay positive and um, try to... Keep that in your mind that it's hard now, but as the saying goes, things can only get better. Is that true? Can they? I don't know. This is the whole thing about rock rock bottom. Glass half full, Jake. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that's like. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our, our ramblings over this episode over lockdown. Take care of yourself and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.